right. Well, we're about ready to start the most spectacular chapter in Genesis. Now, you, you believe me, right? The genealogy of Adam, okay? That's the whole chapter. Chapter 5 is the genealogy of Adam. And I say it's the most spectacular chapter in Genesis, kind of tongue-in-cheek. But if you read this chapter, you're going to find some nuggets that you'll be able to put away for later, okay? And if you don't believe me, you will when we're done. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 5, and we're just going to read from the beginning to the end, and then we're going to go through this. All right? Genesis chapter 5, starting at verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam are after he had begotten Seth were eight hundred years and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were nine hundred and thirty years and he died. And Seth lived a hundred and five years and begot Enos. And Seth lived after he begot Enos eight hundred and seven years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were nine hundred and twelve years and he died. And Enos lived ninety years and begat Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan eight hundred and fifty years years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died and Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalalel and Canaan lived after he begat Mahalalel 840 years and he begot sons and daughters and all the days of Canaan were 910 years old and he died and Mahalalel lived sixty and five years and begot Jared. Now, I'm going to stop for a second because this is funny to me. Mahalalel wanted a kid with an easier name than his to say, and he named him Jared. Because <laughs> you just say your name Mahalalel all the time, okay? Just, it's a tongue twister all by itself, okay? Mahalalel. Mahalalel lived. 65 years and begat Jared and Mahalalel lived after he begot Jared 830 years and begot sons and daughters and all the days of Mahalalel's life were 895 years and he died and Jared lived 162 years and he begot Enoch and Jared lived after he begot Enoch 800 years and he begot sons and daughters and all the days of Jared's uh, were 962 years and he died and Enoch lived six, uh, 65 years and begot Methuselah and Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begot sons and daughters 
And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived in 108 and seven years and begot Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begot Lamech 782 years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah's life were 969 years, and he died. And Lamech lived 182 years and begot a son, and called his name Noah, saying, uh, excuse me, saying, This saying shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. And Lamech lived after he begot Noah 595 years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. And Noah was 500 years old and begot Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of your word, God, we thank you that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, God. So tonight as we study this chapter of Genesis, God, let us not put uh, less stock in this chapter than we do any other chapter of the Bible, God. And let us understand it as best that we can, God. We pray that you would lead us into all truth and help us to have wisdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, before we get started, I'm going to read a few notes, but there's several things of note in here, okay? Uh, phrases like uh, the how we begin. This is the book of the generations of Adam. This, this book of the generations, or these are the generations, or this is the generation, is a phrase that's held over some 11 times in the book of Genesis and it's always a different start to something else every time that it's said okay and it was said in chapter 2 these are the generations of God creating when he in the day that he created man in his image and his likeness chapter 2 okay that was the first one this is the second time that we've seen this phrase and we're going to go back and look at that one so you don't have to write it down just yet I'm just giving you an overview real quick, and we're going to talk about some of the different men that we see in this story, amen, men that we need to keep an eye on, and actually kind of parallel a couple back to Cain's line. Remember we talked, uh, was it Sunday night? This is Wednesday, right? Yeah, we talked Sunday night about how Cain's line didn't have any dates, any ages, any Anything like that. Didn't tell you how long his kids lived or any of that. We did find out that Cain's son, Lamech, was a murderer. Double murderer, right? Said that he deserved 77 times the punishment of Cain, right? So we're going to get into all that. But before we do, I've got a couple notes that I want to read uh, just on this subject of this whole chapter. After a brief introduction which echoes elements from chapter 1, the passage follows a particular line uh, of descent from Adam to Noah. 
The chapter's layout is dominated by a distinctive literary structure that is repeated for each of those specifically uh, men uh, mentioned in each of these passages. The pattern may be set out as follows. With A had lived X amount of years, he fathered B, and A lived Y amount of years after he fathered B, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of A's life were Z, that is, y, X plus Y equals the years that they lived, and then he died. Since the word fathered in genealogy can mean fathered as ancestor of, it is possible that the genealogy skips any number of generations. Certainly, the literary conventions allow for this, I don't, however, believe that. <clears throat> that omissions do actually occur appears from comparing, for example, the genealogy of Moses in Exodus 6, 16 through 20, and that of Joshua in 1 Chronicles 7, 23 through 27, 7, 1 through 5, with Chronicles 6, 4 through 14. At three points in Genesis, 5, 3 through 31, the pattern is briefly broken to introduce additional information involving Adam, Seth, Enoch, Lamech, and Noah. One of the most striking aspects of the passage is this great age of the first people in Genesis. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. These guys lived a long time. Amen. We touched on this a little bit when we were talking about God. Uh, the image of God in man, and when they fell, death entered in. But people, it seemed like, slowly went down to normal ages like we have nowadays, right? Uh, there's some people who think that these ages are exaggerated or maybe they're uh, multiplied by five. Or, but you can't get any of that from the text. You know what I mean? The truth of what the text says is they were 969 years old like Methuselah. Go ahead. Yeah, well, Moses was 500 years old when he had Shem, Ham, and Japheth, okay? Now, he had to have been 501, 502, 503, okay? So we know that's not specific. He's just saying he was over 500 when he had those guys, right? We know they, didn't, we know they weren't twins, right? We know that one was older than the other, and the, uh, the, the, the youngest, the oldest, and the middle child, right? Uh, now, you still have that even when you have triplets, but that's not how the text reads later on, right? Uh, we find that uh, Sham is the oldest and uh, Ham is the youngest, right? And I think that's right in my head. We'll figure it out later when we get there. Uh, don't hold me to that. I didn't even look that up, okay? <laughs> uh, but this chapter, beginning with, with this uh how old they were, when they had their son, and then how old they lived afterward, and then culminating how many years they lived. Uh, some believe is Moses' attempt to show you the time frame between Adam and Noah, okay? Uh, there seems like there could be gaps in, this, in lineage because the word there in Hebrew doesn't necessarily mean explicitly the father of it could be the grandfather of you know what I mean but the wording that we have in English definitely makes it sound like 
Adam had Seth. We know that, right? We know that much, right? Adam was, or Seth was Adam's son directly. So I don't see anywhere in here where I can believe that anybody else was not a direct son of the person being named. Okay? I don't see anywhere in there why we can assume that. Amen? Because we know that Lamech gave birth or was the father of Noah, right? We, we, we see that pretty clearly, right? So we're bookend with two people that were sure Seth was Adam's son and we're sure that Lamech gave birth or, you know, was Noah's father. It doesn't make any sense to make anything in between there different. Amen? So we have to assume that Enoch was Methuselah's father, Methuselah was so-and-so's father amen that's at least the way i read it okay now there's people that get different theories on that but that's just what they are they're theories what we have in scripture is what it says not theory okay i have what it says so i'm taking it as their their fathers uh the fact that lamich named noah and the fact that he explained what Noah's name means tells me that Noah was not some distant relative of Lamech, but Lamech's actual son, okay? So that's why I'm saying it's bookend with two people that we're absolutely certain are related to each other in father-son relationship, amen? So the rest of them would have to follow suit if we're believing it literally amen does that make sense did i did i try to make that enough sense for you mike okay good <clears throat> now that we're off that bridge i want to read a little bit more <laughs> uh, about the subject that i was just talking about the gaps and all that stuff no writer however has offered convincing alternative explanation and none of the proposed alternatives can be substantiated for any certainty, the traditional understanding is that the numbers should be taken at face value, often assuming that something changed in cosmology, in the cosmology of the earth or in the physiology of human beings after the flood, resulting in rapid declines in longevity, final stability at a normal age span around 70 to 80 years. In any case, one clear implication of these genealogies is that these people actually lived regardless of how long and they actually died <laughs> that's what we know they lived and they died it tells you how long they lived when they how old they were when they had their first son and when they died amen that is absolutely correct and since we have no other mechanism in the text to presume that these ages are falsified, we have to assume then that these ages were true and that over time, people lived less and less and less and less in length of time. Amen? So, when people get on TV and say, so-and-so was 122 years old, the, the oldest human being ever. <clears throat> Methuselah. Nobody else even comes close in modern era to 969 years old, okay? Just telling you. <laughs> they are not the oldest person that ever lived. Uh, next, uh, the, the terminology, 
The Greek word here, and if if you'll look in your Bible, Mike, there's a there's a note in on five one, and it reads like this. This is the second of the eleven toldoth sections in Genesis two and four. Now toldoth means generations. Okay, from which we shortened and get the title of this book, Genesis. Okay, just so you know, that's where we get the title for this book because the book is titled The Generations of Adam, right? But we named the first book of the Bible, and it goes back to Hebrews. The Hebrew people did this too, okay? Because it's their word, Toldoth, generations. They name it Genesis or beginning, okay? The reality is this is the genesis of humanity, amen? The whole book of Genesis is talking about the beginning from the beginnings of man's to the patriarchy, amen? And that's what we get is a history or a genealogy or report. Those all are the same words in Hebrew. They mean that. Okay, uh, next, uh, this word told off or this, this phrasing told off the generations of the family records of those who were uh, given birth to happens in 11 different instances. And I told you that they did. Now, this gives a list of those instances. Number one, Genesis two and four. Number two, Genesis Five and one. Number three, Genesis six and nine. Number four, Genesis 10 and one. Number five, Genesis 11:10 and Genesis 11:27. Genesis 25 and 12, Genesis 25 and 19. Genesis 36 and one. Genesis 36 and 9 and Genesis 37 and 2. They give you all of those different toldos where they're starting. These are the generations of, these are the generations. Did, did I go slow enough for you to get it all? Oh, you missed 7 and 8? Now I'm going to have to count. You're in trouble. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Okay. 7 was 25 and 12 and 25 and 19. Got it? All right. Good. Uh, next. Each section uh, contains genealogical information and or historical accounts regarding the descendants of the people or things named in the section title. Only the Sethite genealogy is called the genealogy or the generations of Adam. We see that right here in the uh, chapter 5 verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Amen. Now, we know it's actually leading through the line of Seth, and that's what they're really talking about, because the last chapter ended with what? Seth and his first son, right? But instead of giving Seth's line, they give Adam's line, because obviously he's one, one generation away, right? So we might as well start there. Uh, next, 
I know this is all fascinating for you, and you're like, I really don't see how this is pertinent. <laughs> oh, now, the word here, book, in the King James, in the ESV, it says this is the book. There's a lot of, there's a lot of question about whether this is some kind of resource that Moses now possesses that he's kind of getting genealogies from whether a clay tablet or some kind of uh, animal skin writing thing, they don't know. But it's obvious that Moses obviously wasn't around in the time of Adam, right? Can we agree that Moses wasn't alive at the time of Adam? We can all agree on that, right? So Moses possibly had some kind of record that he was using to write from. We don't have anything to back that up, okay? There's no evidence outside of critical thinking that suggests that, okay? Uh, could it all have been direct revelation right from God on Mount Sinai? Definitely. Sure could have, amen? It sure could have. So I'm just giving you what speculation is, okay? Now, with that speculation, does that mean that this is not inspired? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Even if a source was used to write down genealogies, that does not mean it was not inspired. Amen. God told him to write it. He wrote it. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. All right. Uh, don't worry. I'm going to get through all this uh, weighty stuff, okay? Either way, there are 11 of these toldos throughout the uh, generations of whoever throughout Genesis, okay? Uh, God also does something else here in verse 2. He reiterates the creation of man. Male and female were they created, and he named them Adam, or man, okay? Let's realize when he's saying he named them Adam, what's he got in view there? What do you think is in view when he's talking about men and women and now he's looking at them as one? Marriage, exactly that, exactly what he's thinking about. We ended Genesis 2, if you go to Genesis uh, 2 and 24, that's where Adam, Eve was brought to Adam. He said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And then it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Amen. So we have this echoed again here in chapter 5, very briefly, right? It's just one verse, but let's read it. He said, uh, uh, well, two verses. This is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him, and then he said, male and female created he them, and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day that they were created. Amen? This is absolutely in view that God sees the two married people as one flesh and he called them Adam. Now, when it's used as Adam right there, it's not singular as Adam by himself. It's Adam or man as in mankind, right? And then we understand that when he says Adam again in the very next verse, 
and starts talking. He says, and Adam lived 130 years and begat Seth. So now we know he's talking about Adam himself. Amen. All right. Now, with all that fun stuff out of the way, <laughs> those were just little nuggets that I picked up right off the top of the text. Okay. But before I go on, I want to read to you uh, what John Calvin. Now, you got to remember this is in 15 whatever, how whatever year John Calvin wrote his commentary on Genesis. Okay. And I'm assuming it's 15 something or other. Okay. Because <laughs> that's when he lived. Uh, this is the written account of Adam's line. In this chapter, Moses briefly recounts how much time elapsed between the creation of the world and the flood. Now we see what Calvin thinks about it, right? Calvin says this is a creation of time, or Moses is writing this to tell you the distance of time between Adam and the flood. Now, this ain't the Bible. Calvin's just guessing, just like we would be, right? As well as uh, mentioning part of history of that period. While we may not understand the Spirit's purpose in leaving unrecorded great and memorable events in this nevertheless, our business is to reflect on many things that are passed over in silence. The book of Genesis, according to the Hebrew phrase, is systematic enumeration and description of many events. Genesis signifies a continuous succession of a race, a continuous progeny, excuse me. Further, the purpose of this catalog of events was to inform us that among the multitudes of men, there was always a number, though small, who worshiped God. This group of people would wonderfully, would be wonderfully preserved by heavenly protection so God's name would never be entirely obliterated and so that the seed of the earth would never become extinct. Now watch this. This is the part I wanted to get to. And when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. And God does not restrict Adam's line to the day of creation, but only points to its beginning. Moses repeats that Adam was formed in the image of God and as as the excellency and dignity of this favor could not be sufficiently celebrated, it was not possible for God to be more genuine, uh, generous towards man than by stamping his own glory on him and thus making him, as it were, a living image of the divine wisdom and justice of God. Now that's a pretty profound statement by Calvin. Understanding how great of a thing it was for God to imprint his image on mankind. God did not have to do that. Amen. He didn't do it with anything else in creation, but he chose humanity. Who he made specifically and specially to put his image in. Amen. And I love how Calvin captured that, that. God generously does this, amen? So all of us, because we have the image of God in us, should be grateful and serve God, amen? Now, not all men do, obviously, right? And the fall has everything to do with that, amen? We, we, we're going to discuss that in the very next chapter when the wickedness of man is great in all the earth, right? <coughs> Last thing from Calvin, and I'll put him up, okay? Uh, 
He created them male and female and blessed them. This clause commands, or yeah, commends the sac uh, the sacred bond of marriage and the inseparable union between husband and wife. At the first, verse 1, Moses mentions only one man, but he immediately includes both under one name, male and female, and the superficial interference, uh, inference of Ju the Jewish writers that only married people are called Adam or man is refuted by history of creation. Also, in this verse, the spirit means that after the appointment of marriage, the husband and wife were like one man. So Calvin, 500 years ago, saw it the same way, that God was, in, in pronouncing him, him, God made him, and then made them, male and female, made he him. We're understanding Calvin is seeing the marriage covenant in there too. Not only did he go as far as to say that he's seeing the marriage covenant and that the two are one, he's telling you that this is an inseparable bond. Amen. Which we don't really teach in church anymore, right? We just kind of, marriage is just kind of a thing. And that's why the divorce rate in churches is just the same or higher than it is in the world. Because we've gotten away from teaching that marriage is an institution made, dis, uh, you know, uh, instituted by God for his glory, for our good, and that's not to be entered into lightly, that we need to be sober and of good judgment, you know, uh, don't re rush after some crazy preacher like she did. So, <laughs> But the reality, the reality is we don't take marriage seriously enough in the church nowadays, amen? Or else the divorce rate would not be the same or higher, amen? It would be vastly different. But we don't take these things seriously like we used to, amen? The, the reality that we don't take the word of God as seriously as people three generations ago is evident in we can have a really big number of people on Sunday morning and hardly, you know, what, 10, 15 people on Sunday night and Wednesday night, right? The reality is they think they got everything they need then. They don't need anything else. But I need it every day. I'm praying every day. Carmen's praying every day going, Lord, I put up with him another day. <laughs> Give me grace. Aren't you glad it's grace and mercy's new every morning? Because I... But sometimes I feel like I'm about to exhaust it. Amen? Like my attitudes, the thoughts of my heart, the way I look at people, the way I get aggravated at people. Come on. I'm not the only one. I see people shaking their head now. Yeah. People get on my nerves sometimes. I need grace. I need God's word every day to hold me accountable or I'll go say something real dumb to people. <laughs> Amen? I know where Mike works. He has to have God's grace too. Can I get an amen, Mike? <laughs> All right, let me put my bookmark back in here before I forget and leave it here for two more weeks. All right, let's get into these genealogies. Chapter, uh, yeah, excuse me. Chapter 5, verse 3 begins the pattern of genealogy, okay? Now, I want to just start at Adam, okay? We're not going to go back and read the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> verse 3, we have Adam, and he gives birth to, or he doesn't give birth, excuse me. He begats Seth. What that really means is, no, we're not going to go there. 
Eve had sex, okay? Adam did not produce the child by himself. Can I get an amen? And Adam didn't carry the child. Can I get an amen? Amen. So Adam did not have a baby. Eve had the baby, okay? Sorry, I messed that all up. You got, you're looking at me like, he's got four kids. Doesn't he not know how this works yet? <laughs> yes, I know how it works, okay? So Adam fathered, and that's the word used here in Genesis in the Hebrew, fathered, okay? When it says begat there in King James or in the ESV, it says when Adam lived 130 years, he fathered. That's what the ESV says, and that's a pretty fair translation of the word, the Hebrew word there, meaning fathered, okay? So Adam fathered Seth, amen? Now, uh, Seth fathers Enos, and Enos fathers Kenan, Kenan fathers Mahalalel, Mahalalel fathers Jared, Jared fathers Enoch, Enoch fathers Methuselah, Methuselah fathers Lamech, Lamech fathers Noah. Now there's a couple distinctives that I want to point out here. If you go back to the last chapter, and I got two Bibles so I can have it open at the same time. But if you go back to Cain's line, you're going to notice two names that are similar, that are exactly the same, but they're two different people. Cain's first son, if we go over here and look, Cain knew his wife. This is verse 17 of chapter 4. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. This is not the same Enoch that we have in Seth's line, okay? So there's two Enochs, okay? Now, if you keep reading, you're going to get down to where Lamech is born. Okay, uh, Cain knew his wife. She had Enoch. Enoch uh, to Enoch was born Irad. To Irad was born Mahuayel, and to Mahuayel was fathered Methuselah, and Methuselah fathered Lamech. Different Lamech. Now this Lamech in Cain's line ends up being a murderer, murdering two men. Right. So the writer of this, first of all, understands these parallels, okay? And I want you to notice something about these two names. Cain's line doesn't have any names, numbers, how long they lived, but it does have an Enoch and a Lamech. And if we go back to chapter 5, when we read about uh, Enoch in chapter 5, the, the Enoch from Adam's line through Seth is the man that is, uh, let's go back and we'll read that about Enoch. Go to verse 21. And Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. This is the only person to this point besides Adam and Eve that is said to have walked with God, okay? This is a very important statement. It's not thrown in there for no reason, okay? And I want to read you a note here in a minute about this. But Enoch walked with God, and after he begat Methuselah, lived 300, uh, 
300 years and begot sons and daughters. All the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, it's repeated again, and he was not, for God took him. Now, I want to read a little note about this that I thought was very interesting, okay? The usual pattern of the genealogy is altered with a substitution for the expression, Enoch walked with God. This then developed further in verse 24, and when the phrase, he died, is replaced with the comment, he was not, for God took him. In this passage, and in certain other contexts of Genesis, the Hebrew word for walked is distinctive from a, a distinctive form that conveys a sense of an ongoing intimacy with God. Remarkably, because of this spiritual relationship, Enoch does not die. Now, I have another uh, verse and another quote. In Mike, you have this one in your Bible. It says the description of Enoch's life differs from the others of, in two remarkable ways. First, his righteousness is highlighted through the double notation that Enoch walked with God, verse 22 and verse 24. Second, the description of the end of his life is mysterious. He was not, for God took him. The New Testament confirms the meaning of this phrase. Enoch was translated that his, he should not see death. Enoch experienced like Elijah later anticipates an experience reserved for Christians living at the end times who will be raptured. Now, whether you believe there's pre-trib, post-trib, I'm not talking about all that. There is a rapture. That's a fact, okay? I don't know why people get all caught up with this in eschatology because the fact is there is a catching away. Okay, whether you whether whether it's all the way up into heaven forever and coming back down with New Jerusalem or whether it's just going up there to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be or it's we're going to go up there and meet the Lord and we're coming back with him, all of which is true. We are going to be with him forever. We are going to go to heaven and heaven's going to come down here. That's all true. Every bit of it. Amen. That's the whole shebang. Right. So no matter what you believe, there is a rapture, whether you believe it's pre-trib, post-trib, you know, post-millennial, pre-millennial, whatever, okay? There's a, there's a rapture. There's a catching away. The word catching away in Latin is rapture, okay? That's where we get the phrase, okay? That's where we get it. The Greek doesn't say that, right? It's catching away. But the Latin is I forget exactly the Latin phrase for it, but it means rapture, okay? And that's the way, that's where we get the word from, amen? Now, Enoch walked with God. This is very telling because there was other people alive because they lived so long. There was other people alive that were still good people, but it doesn't say they walked with God. Seth was still alive when Enoch was born. Just let that sink in, okay? Seth was still alive. How long did Seth live? Go back and look at it. <clears throat> Seth. Where, where I got? Here we go. All the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. 
Okay. I want you to do some remedial math with me. Can you do that? We're just going to go through this remedial math. That's all we need, okay? And I got a little chart over here, so I'm, I'm going to help myself to it, okay? <clears throat> Adam was 130 years old when he gave birth to Seth, right? Seth was 105 when he gave birth to Enosh, okay? Enosh was 90 when he gave birth to his first son. Kenan was 70. So we are only, what, 300 years? Roughly. This is rough math. This is Kevin O'Connor. 395, okay. And then Jared was 162 when he gave birth to Enoch. And Enoch was 100, or Enoch was 65 when he gave birth to Methuselah. How, how, how far are we right there? Huh? He's still alive. Seth is still alive when Enoch is alive, okay? Now, from the math, Seth is going to die possibly around the time Enoch is translated to heaven, okay? So we understand that Seth is alive at the time of Enoch. We also understand that Jared, who was, is for all intents and purposes, a good person, uh, that we, we know about, you know what I mean? He was still alive. Let's even put it in perspective. Adam lived 930 years. Adam was still alive when Enoch was born. Okay? So when he says he walked with God twice, this is an important statement. Not only that, Enoch, if I'm not mistaken, makes the Hall of Heroes over there in Hebrews 11 for faith, right? That says a lot about Enoch. To Adam, the first man was still alive, yet Enoch walked with God and was not. Amen? For God took him. That's a pretty profound statement, amen? So we got Adam, the first man in this genealogy. We got Seth, the righteous line that's being distinguished from the Canaanite line, right? From the Canaan line or the line of Cain, where we had a murderous Lamech and an Enoch that built a city. It's not the same Enoch that we see in, the, in, in Seth's line, amen? So not only are we getting... Uh, Cain and Seth's lines, but we're seeing that the two lines are two separate types of people. One that was severely bent towards wickedness and one that tended to follow God. As we saw at the end of chapter 4, it says what? Uh, to Verse 25, to Seth also a son was born and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So we see Seth's line tending to follow God. Amen. Not only that, we see it following God so much that Enoch walks with God and is, doesn't even taste death. Amen. And then uh, we have Methuselah, the oldest man ever to live. Okay. Now, he, he beats, who was the second oldest? Noah. Noah was five, uh, 950 
years old, okay? Noah was 950 years old. Methuselah beat him by 19 years. That's pretty profound, okay? Like, can you even imagine living to 200 years old, let alone almost 1,000 years old, okay? I'm just saying, that's a long time. Now, we know, I'm not going to get into all the scientific stuff that goes into that. Now, here's another interesting thing. I want you to look at how old Lamech was when he died, okay? Go back and look at Lamech's age when he died. It says in verse 31, And all the days of Lamech were 777 years old, right? Now, I want you to flip back to chapter 4. Verse 23, this is Cain's Lamech, okay? This is the Lamech born into Cain's line. Uh, well, let's go to verse 25, sorry. And Adam, where did I miss it at? Oh, no, it is verse 23. I'm sorry. Lamech said to his wife, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. Isn't it interesting that Lamech said his punishment should be seventy-seven times, Cain's seven times? And the other Lamech lived 777 years. Just saying. This is one Lamech and then another Lamech. Pretty interesting, isn't it? <laughs> now, it doesn't mean anything. I just think it's interesting, okay? It means absolutely zero theologically, okay? Nothing to it. Now, I know Kyle is like a huge numeral, uh, biblical numerology guy. He likes all the numbers in there and likes studying all that stuff. So I thought you'd like that too. Or you probably already knew it since you are a numbers dude. But anyway, had nothing to do with what I was talking about. And then we see another statement about Noah, okay? Uh, it ends that Noah was 500 years old. And Noah begat Sham, Ham, and Japheth, okay? Now, here's what the next chapter says about Noah, okay? The next chapter says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, okay? Now, let's realize, let's realize who possibly could still be alive at this time, okay? Certainly, Lamech, his dad, okay? How old was Lamech when he died? We said 777 years old, right? Now, how old was Lamech when he had uh, in, uh, Noah? He was... <laughs> Yeah, 182 years when he had Noah, okay? Now, we know that Noah was 500 years old when he had Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? Can you tell me how old Noah was when he went on the ark? 
in the 600th year of Noah's life, the second month and the 17th day of the month, and the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. That's Genesis 7, verse 11. So Noah was 600 years old when they were on the ark. So 100 years after he had his sons is when they were on the ark. This means Lamech was alive possibly until seeing his, his grandchildren born, okay? Lamech died within 100 years of the flood. Had to have. He lived 777 years. He was 182. When Noah was born, Noah lived 500 years and had his sons, right? So Lamech died in between that 100-year period between Noah having his children and the flood coming, okay? Possibly Lamech saw him building the ark. Possibly. Pretty interesting stuff, ain't it? Now, has zero to do with anything outside of the fact that out of Seth's line, we see righteous Noah, right? Huh? Right, right, exactly. And I was just doing guesswork in my head. I didn't even write any of that down, okay? I was just doing guesswork in my head. But we know Lamech died like right before the flood, okay? Incredible just to think about it, right? Uh, but the contrast is that Seth's line, or Cain's line, ends with three different uh, men, and Cain's line ends wickedly, okay? On, in contrast, Seth's line also ends with three men, Sham, Ham, and Japheth, right? And they're righteous people, right, for the most part. For the most part, because we know, obviously, after the flood, sin entered into Noah's camp, right? But we're seeing a contrast between these two people, right? And what I'm trying to get at is the facts of these genealogies are to point this out. We get all of the information that we can on the good line of Seth, and we get very little information on Cain's line outside of Lamech murders two people, right? Other than that, and Enoch built a city. That's all the information we get from that line, amen? And I'm with Calvin. This is showing that God had a remnant people, even then, who were serving him. And he has that remnant in the next chapter with Noah and his family, and he kills the rest of the earth, right? This is going back to talk about how God is sovereign in all that he does. God has a plan and a purpose and he doesn't just save any old body. He saves specific people. Amen. So when we talk about subjects like particular redemption, we're talking about it because the Bible fundamentally teaches that God was specifically saving certain people. Amen. He specifically had relationships with certain people. Amen? 
specifically had a relationship with Adam and Eve, specifically had a relationship with Enoch, specifically had a relationship with Noah, right? So it's not random. Whereas we see it as random, God does not see random. Amen? Nothing's random to him. He's ordering all things that are. Amen? And that's kind of the point that we can draw out of these genealogies. And I know this was definitely not a, wow, shake my, you, you might be going, I don't even know why I came tonight. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting and I wanted to share it with you. And I didn't want to just gloss over this chapter like it didn't matter. Amen. Because all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and useful. So what we have to find, well, how is this useful for me? Amen. Enoch walked with God, so I want to walk with God. Noah was a righteous man. Well, my righteousness can't do me any good, so I need Christ's righteousness. Amen? That's how I'm going to apply it to me. That's how I want you to apply it to you. Amen? And I hope it was beneficial to you. Amen? Let's stand and we're going to pray. <coughs> Kevin's done. Father God, we ask that you would help us tonight. Lord, we know that this was a very struggling chapter to read through, God, and we pray that you would help us to find value in every jot and every tittle of your word, God, that we would not think less of less importance of this chapter as we do any other chapter in your word. God, we pray that you would help us to be a part of this line, which is ultimately leading to Christ to redemption of all humanity from the sin of Adam to the righteousness of Christ by the one man sin entered into the world and by the one man Jesus Christ we have victory over sin and death through his blood and through faith in him Lord we pray that you would help every one of us to proclaim the good news that whosoever believes in the one and only son of God who put their faith in him, who believe in their heart and confess with their mouth, they will be saved. God, we pray that you would use these words, use this understanding so that people who don't know you can see the story of redemption, even in chapters like this, God, where you were setting people aside for your purpose, for your plan to save humanity. Lord, we love you praise you and ask that you would bless us until we gather again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.